by a devious daughter. Only late the next day was the mother informed, by phone, the daughter safely back in Chicago, that the theft of these keys was for her own safety. The spare key had been accounted for. The mother had given it to her son for safekeeping. This fact should have been verified, of course, and was. Only the brother hadn't cared to admit to his sister when the idea of the key repossession was first proposed, that he wasn't exactly sure where the spare one had gone. When asked, in fact, lied. Yeah, I have it right here. What did it matter, as long as the mother didn't have it? Could the mother have had it? No. Well, yes, in fact. But of course she mentioned this fact to no one. Berated her daughter and sulked to her son in the days following Thanksgiving. Still hadn't forgiven them by Christmas grumbling in the kitchen while rolling out dough for the crescent rolls, while boiling and mashing many pounds of potatoes. But through the winter and early spring, she accepted rides to the grocery store and to church. Oh yes, thank you so much, oh I sure do appreciate it, from various members of the son's family, daughter-in-law and eldest grandson, and once the younger grandson, whose long hair and scowling expression frightens everyone but his grandmother. No need to drive herself anywhere other than to prove a point. Or for the freedom of the road, grown skittering at times, unsteady but still hers to claim. In early May, a stepladder was dragged out of the garage and set up under the cherry tree. From the kitchen's south-facing window, the Christmas cactus pointed. First step, second step, third step, fourth. The fourth just missed. The daughter-in-law was luckily coming for lunch that day. Then the ambulance, crunching gravel, pulling up the lane to the house. Out jumped two men, one fat and one skinny. Steady hands and a stretcher. Easy now, don't you worry. The querulous reply, just a little fall, I don't need all this fuss. Back doors slamming shut on Wendy, you be sure to lock up the house. A phone call made from the kitchen. To the hospital, yes. Then the daughter-in-law, dutiful, closing doors, turning locks. Since then, the house has stayed quiet. Days and weeks, one month, two. From outside come all the normal sounds of crickets, birdsong, and the distant rush of semis out on I-55. Up the lane now comes a Corolla. A four-hour drive, and she's still here before her brother. Figures. Debbie has a long drive from the northwestern suburbs of Chicago and a full-time job, which in her world means 60 hours on a good week, and this was not a good week. This week, she had 5,000 pages of discovery to review. So Saturdays and Sundays are not exactly free time, especially not with a 10-year-old house that seems to have all the problems of a century-old one, perpetually running upstairs toilet, gutters that won't drain, signs of a carpenter ant infestation in the home office. Also a daughter who is home for only an abridged version of summer, newly graduated from college and joining the Peace Corps. She's leaving in two weeks for Burkina Faso and is right now experiencing some very intense anxiety, some very long sessions of crying and unexpected malaise, wandering around the house trying to anticipate, aloud, what exactly she'll miss most about home once she's so far away. For once, she's eager to spend some good quality time with her mother, which hasn't happened in a long time, not since before the teenage years. And because Debbie is not just a hardworking lawyer, but a hardworking single mom, she has been trying her best to indulge her daughter's requests. 
including that she, Mal, joined Debbie at the farm on Sunday, rather than driving down together today. One of her college friends is in town, and she's not going to see him again for two years, Mom, two whole years at the very least. With so much to balance, one might think Debbie would have trouble getting down almost to Edwardsville by ten on a Saturday morning with only this to look forward to, going room by room through the house where she grew up, where her mother has lived all 84 years of her life, deciding the fate of the furniture, the pots and pot holders, the cross-stitched pillows, the dusty artificial flowers and stem vases, all the things that won't fit into the 300-square-foot apartment in the assisted living center where Hazel has recently been moved. But here she is. Ten o'clock, and the sun is already barreling down on her head as she stands beside the car, listening to chapter seven of the latest book on tape checked out from the Orland Park Public Library. For two months, she's been coming down almost every weekend to see her mother, first in the hospital.